Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 2, The Circle. Teleplay by Peter Allen Fields and directed by Corey Allen. No relations, different spellings. This episode aired on October 3rd, 1993. This week on Deep Space Nine, Cisco, Odo, and Special Deputy Quark work to reveal the real force behind the Circle Coup. That sounds like strange things are afoot behind the Circle K. <laughs> behind the Circle K. Uh, uh. Yep, yep, and Kira's been reassigned. Um, Vedic Baril randomly appears on the stations like, hey, come back to the monastery, yo. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, things are, things are happening. Wink, it's definitely, <laughs> there's some moving and or shaking that's, that's going on in this episode. And definitely like we had the setup we mentioned earlier last episode, this was like a three part arc. We had the setup in episode one. This is kind of our middle chapter and building towards, um yeah what sounds like a a thrilling and exciting third chapter what did you think of this episode Elise I loved this episode I did not look at my phone once the first time I watched it and then when I rewatched it to take my notes I barely looked at my phone like I literally did the notes in like 50 minutes and normally I take like twice as long as the episode to do my notes because I'm slow and I get distracted easily and that did not happen. I will go as far as to say this is my favorite episode that we've covered up until now. More so than than duets or yes. move along home or emissary. Or, yeah, I, I just was completely gripped. Is that how you would? It was gripping. I don't know that you're gripped. I don't know if the sentence works that way. But it was just so riveting. I was like, what's going to happen? I think it's because I legitimately did not remember anything about this. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we'll like, we'll get into it and we'll like interrogate it and whatever. But like a, a while, a while back, I was chatting with um, one of our listeners on Instagram about season two. And their argument um was that season two had more like forgettable episodes than season one did and like i can see how how that might be true and i'm interesting to kind of continue to to watch it and kind of keep that in the back of my mind as we go through but yeah this definitely wasn't at least to me wasn't one of them but at the same time, compared to other stuff that comes later, like you said, you didn't really like remember this episode, so <laughs> so maybe it was forgettable. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the joke. Oh, sorry. Um, one thing I will say about the my like my thoughts overall is that I was completely right in feeling that Minister Jaro, um, played <laughs> by Frank Langella, was just not to be trusted. Um, I will speak more. Well, I mean, more... that's because he's from New Jersey. <laughs> um, I'll like speak more on this later. But like, I feel I do feel like whenever there's like a 
special guest star, that is the person that is, like, guilty. And that happens all the time on my other fave, uh, Murder, She Wrote. Like, whenever the actor... Well, now, Frank Langella, like, was already, uh, like, acting for a long time when this aired. But, like, on Murder, She Wrote, if you see an actor that you know now that was not big back then, that person usually was yeah. the murderer. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, like, special guest stars like that can really go one of two ways. There's, like, the big reveal, like, we get in this episode, and we actually kind of get both those things in, in this episode, where it either, it either goes the Franklin Jello, Minister Jaro, like, villain reveal route, or it's, like, the Lee Nollis, Richard Baymar route, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I will stop that thought there as not to dip into spoiler territory for next week. Oh, yeah, because I legit don't remember. So that'll be fun. Um, I do want to point out that Louise Fletcher is back as Vedic Wynn. And as always, her performance is so creepy and just good. So, so good. That that scene of her with, with Wynn and, and Jaro and... The monastery where they're like it kind of has flirty romantic ruling the world together oh yeah i I actually wrote that in my notes later um but but yes i got the same vibe (laughs) but like it's never explicit and it's like they're both being seduced by each other, but they're really seduced by power. Yeah, and, like, I don't even think it's about this... each other. It's just, what can you do yeah. for me? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's like, I'm, I mean... I mean, they're... But not be about each other, then maybe it's about sex. What can, what can we do <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but Anyways, I felt what? like it was more of just like a... They're trying to manipulate each other. Oh, totally. And like... Even then, it's like you have one character in Louise Fletcher's Vedic Win that's representing the church, right? That's representing religion. And then Minister Jaro as the state. And then, like, the seduction of each other to combine forces to be more powerful is just like. I'm, I'm given. You, you can't see me, listeners, and you can't see me, least, but I'm like, given, like, the dual thumbs up. It's like, chef's kiss emoji. It's, uh,. That is the shit that Matt likes. Yeah, it was pretty good. So I feel like this episode had, like, kind of three main set pieces slash, like, sections. Like, we have what was going on on Deep Space Nine, what was going on on Bajor, and then kind of what's specifically, more specifically going on with the circle. So I feel like those are good places to divide up our conversation today mm-hmm. um, so where did you want to start did i kind of start want to with, start with deep with space DS9? yeah just because a lot of that happens towards the beginning of the episode too i do find the scene at the beginning really funny where minister jaro is like surprised that cisco is not thrilled that kira was reassigned and he was like and Cisco's kind of just like what would make you think that I would be happy about that and I just got like real Melrose place in space vibes where he's just like it's common knowledge like that everyone's gossiping about how much Kira and Cisco don't get along or something um that yeah, was really funny um, to me 
Well, and like I, I think it's like that's also like, like it works in that it's like, but what am I trying to say? Formulate your thoughts better, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Where we saw early in season one where Kira would, like, go above Cisco's head and contact mm-hmm. the admirals and the admirals oh, and yeah. things like that. So, like, that would definitely lead to some kind of political blowback and, and everything else. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that, like, that assumes this kind of static case in the way that, like, politicians and, like, political actors are, like really good about the oh you said this once so like it's the static state because it like serves the point um right i thought was like really interesting and good and like it's i think cisco's really i really like how kind of reassuring he is to lee Nollis, like knowing what he knows about lee and all the background that we went over and you know hashtag underwear and and, and everything else um <laughs> How, like, Cisco is just, like, a good boss, and it's, like, because Lena Ellis is, like, I don't know what a Navark does, even, and Ben's, like, well, my my understanding is you answer to the prophets, but you help me out from time to time, and, like, different things like that. So, like, yeah. Ben is mad that Kira's been reassigned, but he knows to, like, take it out on Jaro and the political maneuvering there as much as he can, and he doesn't penalize Lee for it, and he's there to support, as long as Lee is there and is, is part of his staff, is part of his crew, he's there to kind of support him in whatever ways he can. Yeah. I, like, he's it's cool. He's cool. very reassuring, and he also gives off the "Don't worry, dude, we'll figure it out" vibe. Yeah. Um, I do. I think he didn't. Fra- he like I don't know what his exact words are, but he basically Cisco basically calls Jaro a piece of shit because he like I don't remember what his exact term was, but he basically implied that. He was just, like, full of nothing. I don't remember what he said exactly. I didn't write the quote down. But, um, it was cool. I mean, I just think Cisco's very calm and confident and sure of himself in this episode. And I really, I feel like sometimes when characters are like that, it, doesn't feel earned or it would might feel like false bravado or um not like it really worked for me here like it didn't feel out of character yeah and it didn't feel like too much what do you mean too much like it wasn't too like it was wasn't too heavy-handed it felt yeah it didn't feel yes it felt organic to me <clears throat> so there's a, there's a little more graffiti going on at Deep Space Nine. I really expected when Jake called um, Cisco to come to their quarters that something worse was going to be happening. I don't know. You have to see it for yourself. Makes me think like their quarters would be trashed in some way. Although that would have been like a huge security breach. And obviously that would have been a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think... I mean, 
Jake's a teen, like he's right. Not an adult, so like that can. I, <laughs> I guess, guess I, I should give him a benefit of like the doubt with like his, uh, you know, his, <laughs> his emotions. Level of what's what's bad or what's not? Yeah, <laughs> but like, I, but I think you exactly keyed into why it feels more serious and is, in some ways, more of an escalation than even the assault on Quark last episode, which was the escalation in that episode with the the random assault and 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 the branding whereas like this is less violent than what happened to quark i'm not going to deny that it's obvious um but what i'm what i'm getting at is that this is more targeted yeah for um, sure than what we what we've seen the circle do before where they're like literally saying hey we know where you live yeah Um, i feel like I know it was like a week ago when we talked about this. Was was Cork Cork's situation more of like a wrong place, wrong time? Excuse me. Like, or, yeah, I not, don't know if it's ever. Yeah, but this is obviously you're you are doing this to the person like leading the station. That is definitely more targeted. Yeah, I agree. Sure. Um, how did you feel about the scene? when Kira's packing up to leave. I thought that scene was really well done. Um, It felt almost slapstick to me with everyone coming in and out of her quarters, the speed in which they were speaking sped up, like Kira and Dax are kind of like, bop, 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 you know? And um, the doorbell keeps, or it keeps getting, the door keeps getting knocked on and Kira's like, by all means, come on in, like, and it just, um, another knock on the door. Oh, we're open for business. And I just love the whole comedy of, like, everyone coming in to, like, for their different reasons. Um, like, O'Brien and Bashir are very much like, oh, it's been nice to work with you. Like, blah, 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 blah. Happy trails. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Dax is like, I'll speak to Benjamin if you want. And you can see that ba- that Dax and Kira have, like, a closer friendship. You know, Dax had borrowed, a like, a moisturizer from her or something. Yeah. They're, they're just gal pals. Yeah. Just gal pals. Um, I could see me and Melissa, who was on our show a couple episodes ago, being, being like that. Um, but I loved, like, Odo just came up in there and almost just was yelling at her like who knew Odo had so many emotions <laughs> uh, he like was really angry and I I loved that and I really loved the scene where he was like oh you were fine once I smoothed out your rough edges and she just laughs because she's so serious <laughs> all the time and she's basically like I thought you were fine once I smoothed your rough edges and like it was just so cute how they both they both they both changed. It's true. Like, they both changed and in how they... I mean, and a lot of it happens before we meet them. But you can tell, like... Or off screen. Or off screen. Just, but yeah. I do think it. Yeah. a lot of it happened before the Federation came to Deep Space Nine. Like, even though they weeks. had the... Exactly. I think the two weeks are kind of... Um, confusing but i get the impression that they knew each other longer than that um in any case i just it's because you know odo is very self-righteous a lot of the time and it was really nice to see him 
put that energy into someone he cares about rather than just his sense of like whatever justice is that we get to experience every once in a while and then we eye roll at him and whatever. It was just, he cared so much and I, that seems to be a big turnaround to me from where he was a year ago. Yeah, no, I definitely like, how do I phrase this? Something that we've been kind of tracking and clocking on my Mad Men podcast is Peter Campbell's it's a character on Mad Men, obviously. Um, his kind of like character arc and kind of growth and mm-hmm. in some ways the uh, softening of his his character from kind of his his first season appearance. And of course, Mad Men and Deep Space Nine are, are very different shows, different areas of television, different genres, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I think we can definitely do a similar project with Odo um, specifically on, on Deep Space Nine. And I definitely agree with what you're saying. And I think that this episode was, sorry, I just uh, hit my, was gesticulating and hit my desk. Um, sorry, future Matt, who will have to edit this, or maybe he won't. Now that he's left this in, so sorry, listeners, that future Matt decided to leave it in. Um, but no, like I think this is like one of the first times it's like, oh, that's. And oh, what was that other episode? The one with um the thief, and they go into the nebula, and oh, what's that one called? I'm not as good with the episode titles. It's like the blank. Sorry. If it was a Mad Men episode title, I might be able to help. Yeah. Yeah. Or Game of Thrones. Yes. The Vortex. That's what. Oh yes, yes. The Vortex. The Vortex. Or I forgot that they went. I remembered as I was starting to look it out. Yeah. Um. Well, the titular Vortex. Um. (laughs) That was like the first time I saw like. The Odo parts of the Odo I remember, yeah, and then in for this sure. Scene with with Kira that we're talking about, um, that was more kind of the Odo that I remembered. Yeah, and I really like it was a really fun scene. I enjoyed it, and like you're totally right. It had this kind of comedic vibe to it, and this kind of different, kind of rhythmic timing that was definitely more of a comedy. And then it just builds up to this punchline of like like you mentioned the open for business line, and then it's Fedek Barail, and then snap. Yep. These it just my, all stops. Yeah. And then... And these are the weight. I just... Yeah. It's great. Kira slows down for a moment, and she thinks of how to introduce all of these people to Vedic Burial, and she says, these are... These are my friends, and my heart grew three sizes. It was wonderful. It was... Um, I... I was listening that's, to... That's the shit. That's the shit yeah. we like in Star Trek. I was listening to our friend Tessa, who was on our episode, uh, you know, a few episodes ago. They, the Forsaken. Yes, The Forsaken. Um, her podcast put out an episode um, on September... What's today's date? On September 20th. Um, and she covers the other podcast is uh, monkey off my backlog and she covers uh, my favorite movie the philadelphia story in it and one thing she talks about because that's kind of um like a screwball comedy 
that's a screwball kind of comedy, and I feel like this slapstick scene that we saw in the um, in Deep Space Nine is like a similar vibe. And I didn't realize this. Oh, totally. The one of the one of the reasons why this is yeah. So Tessa mentioned this on her podcast, but one of the reasons why they talk so quickly in those scenes is that back in the forties, you weren't allowed to have. Um, you know, you weren't really allowed to show a lot of, like, romantic things or, like, if someone was divorced, you couldn't show, like, an affair and all this stuff. So, to get away from showing sexual tension and uh, and tension, I think, in general, they started having um, the actors just speak really quickly to each other and gain tension that way. And I found that to be extremely interesting because I feel like that is really kind of what is going on in that scene with Kira and Odo? Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Yes. Um, yeah. So after, after Kira leaves and we'll talk about her, experiences on Bajor in a minute, Odo starts to do an investigation into the circle. He, like, speaks to some people. I think he was speaking with some security person he knew on Bajor. And he finds out that the provisional government's going to send in troops, and Quark, who he's deputized, (laughs) advises that the circle is also armed. So, basically, there's, like, a coup that's going to happen. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and it's... it's it's interesting that like Quark has heard things through like the the pipeline <laughs> from his bar his <laughs> and like his contacts and everything else and like he makes a point to like this is where it's the whole like best friend I mean thing with like right. Odo comes to play again it's like this is this is really some classic Odoing this episode you got some Kira friendship stuff mm-hmm. um you got some like Quoto stuff you just got 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 all your odo bases covered this week um but he's like oh it's 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 so bad i can't believe get to this i'm getting ready to leave or whatever people should leave because like by the way i they have their arm the circle are armed to the teeth and then odo basically pulls like (laughs) some quasi illegal abraham lincoln like shenanigans um interpretation of the laws where it's like well you're either a deputy or you're in jail, so pick one. <laughs> so can, Quark gets deputized. Can we can we talk about that? Quark decides that he needs to leave D Space Nine, and his first thought is to go tell his boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was important. I missed. The only thing I missed in this episode is how Odo knew that the Circle was getting their weapons from the Kursari. Was that part of what Quark told him? So, if I recall correctly, and it's been, like, spoiler alert, it's been a couple days since I last (laughs) watched the episode just based on schedules and things like that. Um, I watched it, like, an hour ago, and I still don't remember this part. (laughs) If I recall correctly, and listeners, please tweet at us or email us at stillgreatpod at gmail.com. 
if we're we're incorrect on this and we can <laughs> email us on where e- email us where did i get the email wrong yes what's our email <laughs> pod rates you said still great pod <laughs> oh i gave the wrong podcast email I apologize. Um, I mean, I guess you. I guess it just really depends it. if you want you Matt to read it or Elise to read it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> oh, we'll no, get it either way. At, yeah. Um, if we're wrong, but I think Quark heard about the weapons and mentioned them. He gets deputized, and then he does further investigations, and that's when he finds out that it's they're being armed by the Krasari via the Cardassians. Yes, yeah. The Krasari are middle middle middlemen for the the Cardassians. And the Cardassians are influencing Bajoran politics. <laughs> Much like the leaders of our countries do to each other. Yeah, this is like Iran Contra feels, doesn't it? <laughs> among among many other things. <sighs> Listeners, if you haven't been on Twitter the last week or so, you might find out that some of our U.S. politicians are saying who you should and shouldn't vote for in the Canadian election for, I don't even remember what the election is for, because that's how much I pay attention to other countries besides the United States. No, I'm just kidding. But I really don't remember what the election was for. It was a federal election. We were recording this the week of the federal election in Canada. And, and last week you had several prominent Democrats basically um, kind of doing foreign election interference um, and tweeting um, endorsements. Uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton tweeted in support of Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party. And then that, of course encouraged bernie sanders to vote <laughs> not to vote for to, uh, there's no voter of, fraud happening <laughs> in relation to, to, to this conversation out, <laughs> to tweet out his endorsement of jagmeet singh who's the leader of the the new democratic party but uh yeah that election happened a couple days ago oh um and this it happened on monday night as we record this on a wednesday and uh the status quo was maintained. Basically, that we still have a liberal minority government, and uh, of course, some seats changed, mm-hmm. but the total number of seats basically stayed the same. The so. TLDR is thanks, Obama. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, as as always. Um, Anyway, no, and not to like, <laughs> wow, yeah, okay, let's let's move on before Matt's like, we're still in our late, Canada's still in its like late period Obama era. I am terrified for the next election, but let's let's move on. All right, um, yeah, so Quark finds out that the Cardassians are um, Iran contraing the circle, and no, Odo uh, finds that out when he's or does he find, or does. Odo sees it happening because he, Odo becomes a rat and goes on the Krasari yeah, they, ship. Yeah, they plant him on the sh- they plant him on the Krasari ship, and so he sees the Cardassian. It's the Krasari. Quark just figures out Quark the Quark. Hear- no, yeah, Quark found out that it was the Krasari. Odo goes on the ship and sees the Cardassian giving it to the Krasari, giving the weapons or whatever uh, it is. Okay. 
Meanwhile, Kira is on Bajor with Vedic Burrell doing some new age shit. I will say that she looks extremely <laughs> The most 90s thing ever. Yeah, she's she looks very 90s. She's wearing this like t-shirt like thing that I think is a dress and it has like a crochet like cardigan sleeveless cardigan dress on top of it. I feel like it looks like something it's, that you would like find at free people these days, but it would have like a totally. more revealing thing underneath it. Um, totally. It's like the dress version of her like civilian um her like <laughs> her yeah, civilian so, like prison break outfit. But like the color palette's the same episode, whatever. Yeah. It's just like yeah. Exactly. Um they probably like use the same pattern for like the top of it. <clears throat> <laughs> so she looks extremely comfortable in her casual clothes and her hair's down it's not like you know pushed back or whatever um i do find it interesting how you know she's like i don't know if she's like building like a walkway on a pond or she's doing some some nature new age shit as i said before and um she's just it's just not kira is not a nature person I think that. Um... <laughs> so she's a nurture person. <laughs> Child rearing joke. I apologize. <laughs> um, so she's kind of feeling useless. And she tells Burial, she's like, I need to feel useful. Um, and he tries to convince her, like, it's okay to feel this way once in a while, which I agree with. I just took this as, like, at first, as Kira just is not the type of person that knows how to relax. Personally, I am extremely good at doing nothing. Um, art, how about you, Matt? I mean, I live with depression, so yes. No. <laughs> um, there's, there's like, there's like a fine line. Like, I can do it for like a couple days, and it's really nice. But like, after a while, then it's kind of the whole. I need to do something. Um, I'm the same. I'm at, to be fair. I'm, I'm similar. Like. Day three or four, yeah. I'm like, I'll go a little stir crazy. Yeah. But it, like, really depends, like, where you're, like, doing nothing for me, too. Where it's, like, if, like doing nothing in a staycation, to me, is different from, like, doing nothing, like, at a resort or a retreat or, like, something yeah. like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's, it's no, different. Totally. Changing the and space like, can, like, change and like, things, right? Also, doing nothing on, like, a Saturday or Sunday feels different than, like, doing nothing for, like, a staycation also. Because, like, one day or two, yeah. it's, like, really nice. And then, yeah. <clears throat> um, sorry, I'm... Oh, I just cracked my back. Um... How about that orb three of prophecy and change? Mm-hmm. So, Barail lets Kira look at the orb, and she has this vision of herself and Barail getting intimate. More on that later. I think it is really interesting that Brial had her do this and then admits to her that she was part of his vision 
and then asked her, you know, is that true for you? And she just flat out lies to him. Do you think she's scared of her yeah, feelings? Yeah, why do you think she did you... that? I I couldn't tell if she was, like, scared of her feelings for him or feelings in general. Because, like, obviously they're having sexy dreams about each other. Or if she doesn't know but she it's not even him or not. Yeah, like, I know it's but, not like, a sexy I think too, dream, like, but... let's... Yeah, no, that that's just like it's like it's like an orb experience, and the orbs come from the prophets slash one orb experience. Sorry, orb experience just sounds like you know when you go to those like um, floating places, like like I feel like orb oh, experience like is gonna plate? be like yeah, yeah, like we have float, we have sensory deprivation, we have um, the orb experience. And then in the other building, we have an escape room. <laughs> like, I just feel like it would just be <laughs> like a, uh, a fun gosh. house of things to do. <laughs> but, like, not only is this a sexy dream, this mm-hmm. is a sexy vision from their gods. Yeah. It's like sanctioned like, sexy vision. <laughs> this is, like, ordained, like, destiny sexy vision and like ah we probably don't have enough time on this podcast to like go into my whole galaxy brain about like the religious impulse and seeking meaning and then we create the meaning that we like seek for ourselves but like in the context of the show the wormhole aliens slash prophets are real and they send the orbs and they exist there so like it's like God's telling them that they need to, like, be together. I and know. Like, I think they're fated. That's so charged. And it's just really, like, sad for Kira that it's, like, someone as boring as Beryl. <laughs> he's really... He's very physically attractive, though. But, yeah, he's kind of boring. And I mean, okay, I like spoiler alert to new listeners. Sorry, um, skip ahead 30, 15 or thirty seconds. But like, Boreal is like he has a reputation in the fandom as being a bit of a turnip, um, of a character. <laughs> and like, I think the actor is attractive. But I don't know if it's like the way he's written or his portrayal. But he's just like, I know this isn't like a kink reference, but, like, he's just, like, so vanilla, like, bland. It's, like, he's, like... Yeah, no, I agree. But... I disagree, but no. like... Yeah. Anyway. So, <laughs> I was kind of laughing when, um, Vedic Wynn, like, confronts Barayo later about, like, him letting Kira look at the orb i'm like how does she know is there like a sign up sheet next to the orb like you signed your name that you were there yeah and i mean it's just gossip and word gets around and like that was the scene that like louise fletcher is just really breaking it because she's like oh that's so good Kara, that you're here yeah take all the time you need like even up to a week yeah it was so weird <laughs> where, where it's 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 like just being the most, like, passive-aggressive, like, so good. Her performance and, like, I feel her like, line readings were great. I feel like Vedic Wynn is, like, the most passive-aggressive character. 
I've ever experienced. Like, I can't think of someone that's like... Yeah, oh my god. I want... She is, like, so punchable. I really like her a lot. Like, as a character, not as a person. Yeah, no, it's... It's like... And not to, like, wade too far into, like, Game of Thrones discourse, but it's like... That's okay, I'm re-watching Game of Thrones right now, so... It's like, Joffrey is fun to hate, um, and then they add another character, or another character is added later, where clearly the showrunners are, like, looking for Joffrey 2.0 and Ramsey, and he's just not as fun to hate. Um, Yeah. You hate him! But he's not fun to you. Just don't want to see him. Like yeah, you know what I he's mean? like, like, like he's like kind of grating. <laughs> like yeah, like I find it's... him like an irritation. I don't know. Um, have I sent to you the like folk album by uh, what's his name? Like Owen Rayon or however you pronounce the no Gaelic you haven't. name. Um, I'll send it to you at some point. It's like, it really helped with my cognitive dissonance of liking the actor who is literally a nice guy. Um, right. It's hard when and, someone's that uh, evil and you like, yeah. And it's the first, especially like, that's for the me, first time you see him, right? Yeah. Like I know he was on, there was another show he was on, I think before, but I didn't watch it and, or I like watched a couple episodes, but I couldn't get into it. Um, so like this was my first experience with the actor and then it was just like, oh, that's a lot. That guy's a lot, (laughs) but it's just the character. It's not, it's not him. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think what that other show was called. Misfits. Yeah. So I was general. So Cisco is on Bajor, and he goes to speak with General Krim. Is that just like the head of one of the military heads? Yeah, I think he's like the it's like the commander in chief of like the Bajoran like armed forces or something like that. Right. Got it. So basically, he wants to get Kara back, and General Krim is basically like, "You have to deal with Minister Jaro," and I feel like. He, Cisco kind of told General Krim, he told him that the circle had like weapons and stuff, right? Because he like, I know he told him something and then General Krim was like impressed that Benjamin didn't try to like trade that information for getting Kira back. And I'm like, my dude Ben's honorable. Of course he's not going to do that. But I also think that Benjamin was being purposely, like, self-righteous so that they would not be able to say he acted in a certain way. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's like, like how... I think it was like... I'm not comparing living as a black man as the same as living as a white woman by any stretch of the imagination but it's like how I will sometimes be overly nice to people so that I'm not considered a bitch like I felt like it was along those lines where he was like being extra helpful 
so that they don't look at him as like a nuisance or someone that they don't want to work with. It's like I just, like I think like in that interaction with Krem or Krim, however you pronounce it, I've forgotten it's already. Krim, I think. Um Cisco's like <laughs> to to quote um reference Wrath of Khan, he's thinking <laughs> three dimensionally versus two dimensionally. Um and I think just training <laughs> that information for for Kira back is more like the blunt approach and like right. Ben is thinking a couple steps ahead. Yeah. Um that's fair. Yeah. I think my reading's probably a little more cynical. <laughs> well, which is I mean fair I mean, enough. I'm Normally, a cynical that's person. That's the role I play so. on this podcast. So. <laughs> I was doing my inner Matthew. There you go. Ooh. <laughs> I was going to say we're rubbing off on each other, but that is not <laughs> what I meant. Um, <laughs> I mean, there is many miles between us, so that is definitely not what you meant. Um. <laughs> so, someone... So, next, I mean, I think we can go to our um, section on the circle now. Yes. Um, Kira gets kidnapped by three people in robes. I think it was three people. Sounds like the circle. It does. They do be doing they shit in robes. They should have been called the triangle because there was three of them. Um, <laughs> that was terrible. Um, yeah. So, unsurprisingly to me... Minister Jaro and Vedic Wynn are behind this shit. I think Wynn is a little bit more distanced from it. Like, she's, like, a, one of those quiet supporters. Like, we talked about, um, I think, I don't remember his last episode. Like, politicians that want to support a cause but feel like they can't publicly because they don't know how it will um, play out. And we learned that the real reason why... Jaro put Linalis at Deep Space Nine was to basically keep him out of the way so he could do his coup without any like hopeful symbols getting in the way. Right. I have. Ex- yeah. Oh, did you want to say something on that? No, go ahead. Oh. I have extremely complicated feelings about Kira arguing with Jaro. Um, after she's kidnapped and I'm paraphrasing here but she basically throws at him one of those if you don't vote you can't complain lines Um, which I have a hard time with Um, I think that's a pretty shitty outlook especially at least in our society how many people are purposely hindered from voting or even participating in the electoral process Um, so I don't think that is a good outlook Um, I don't also don't think that change always happens with voting so why is that the thing that's always focused on yeah and that's probably like a like a nominee for the most star trek moment of the episode (laughs) where it's like and i know that there are um differing opinions on this and, and and different responses but like i do think 
despite some of its ideals, Star Trek at its core is this kind of left of center, like liberal status quo maintaining slash editing um, ethos. And right. I think that was one of those like moments where like it really came forward to the surface, which isn't to say yeah. that it's like, I don't think the circle is good. They are right-wing <laughs> ethno-nationalists and are therefore yeah. bad. As we um, said, they're the America first of Bejor. Yeah. But just that idea of like, you need to use the system to reform the system. Um, in some ways, it feels very Ankara-like as a person that was part of an armed underground to overthrow the settler colonial oppressors. Um, right. And who didn't like the new, the neo kind-hearted settler colonial um, <laughs> body that came in in the, in the Federation, right? Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I was super grossed out after that, after she mentioned that to him, or after she told him, you know, you make change with voting, whatever. And he's threatening her. And he basically, he says something along the lines of like, yeah, the Cardassians were bad, but they taught us how to torture, so we're going to do it. Like, and it just showed to me how victims of oppression can still be oppressors to other groups, which is something I already knew, but it just is a good example of that. Yeah. I think it's funny that we have, like, Deputy Quark doing all of this research, but we never actually see him doing the research because there's so much in this episode that there isn't even time. There wouldn't be time to, like, show us. But at the same time, we don't need to know how Quark found out where the circle's headquarters is. It's just he did. Oh, by the way, I'm a deputy. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. I figured out where the headquarters is. So Cisco and company go to rescue Kira. Um, we did get a little bit of an action scene, which was fun. But Kira's face looked like really fucked up from her torture. Do we ever? And like I'll ask you this question at least because you've rewatched the episode more recently than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, was it ever clear why they were like? torturing Kira or what like information they were trying I was going to ask extract Yeah I, I was going to ask you the same thing like I I missed that little tidbit cuz he does say like I'm he implies he's going to torture her to get her to talk but I don't know I missed like what information they were trying to get out of her like I can't um oh did they did they want to know what the orb told her? I don't, I don't, I really don't remember. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's super clear in the, the episode, at least from my recollection. Right. Sometimes it's, it's hard for me to tell to if I missed something or it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just didn't know I if it was probably, us or the episode. 
Yeah. And I mean it in fairness it could be us, but I don't I think too <laughs> maybe the episode doesn't make it like super clear if any of us can remember. Um right. listeners again, tweet at us, email at us if 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 we're wrong, if it's if it's explicit. But like my inference, my assumption assumption would be less about her orb experience because i don't think the circle would super care about that um Mm -hmm. it was just something when could be like passive aggressive about with her earlier in the episode right it was probably more to do with like the what she knew about the federation and deep space nine specifically and things like that because at the end episode at the end of the episode um the Bajoran government asked the Federation to leave DS9. So. Yeah, so you're probably right. And actually, as you were saying it, I was thinking to myself, it probably is the Federation stuff. Um, so basically, our friends find realize that the reason the Cardassians are, are using Jaro in the circle and giving them weapons is because they the end game for them... And the end game for the circle to have the Federation gone um, is the same. So the Cardassians are using their influence and this um, weapons ring, I guess we can call it, to that end. That is basically yeah, what happens in most of the episode, which I found... I just really liked how they did it. I But this... I think... And then, too, they, you, you feel like everything's wrapped up. I felt like everything was wrapped up. Not wrapped up like the story, but wrapped up, okay, we know everyone's motivations now. And then they kind of hit you with this extra scene at the end with Vedic Wynn and Jaro, like commiserating together and I think when I watched the episode the first time I wasn't expecting that like I just thought the Cardassians wanting the Federation gone was going to be the thing you know and we find out that the thing is really that Jaro and Wynn want power and Wynn wants to become the, the new Kai and she says to him in this conversation the prophets rarely encounter enough pa as forceful as yours, Minister Jaro. And I'm like, she's coming on to him, right? <laughs> like, she's, like, manipulating him in a sexual way with that comment. I think the use of the word forceful is what does it for me. <laughs> I don't know that she, like, wants to have sex with him, but I feel like she wants him to benefit her. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely like a euphemistic comment, like whether you know it's it's placating his ego or whether there's actual kind of a she has like a sexual desire. What there, I don't, I don't know yeah. if it's clear, and but like I think there's definitely they're both trying to play each other, and you know, yeah, be, further their own ends for sure, because obviously that like the context being Jaro wants power wants political power and Kaiwin wants to be the neck or Vedicwin wants to be Kaiwin, right? Yeah. She wants to be like the head of the church. Yeah, she wants to be the space pope. Yes. I did like the scene at the end where 
Cisco wanted to have Lee Nala speak on all the open channels to Bejar, but the comms were jammed. So Cisco yeah. calls Starfleet to basically explain what was going on and basically say, okay, what do we do next? And he tells them that they can't do anything because it's an internal Bejoran issue and that they should evacuate. And I love, and I took this as Cisco doing this purposely, that he was like, well, okay, we have to evacuate everything then. And knowing from his conversation with O'Brien that that is going to take much longer than the time they have until the assault weapons get there. So they're going to have to be, they're going to, he's almost forcing them to have to get involved with whatever happens while they're still there. Yeah. And I guess we'll find out um, next episode, how that, how that move plays out. It's a, it's a bold strategy. So we'll see how it, how it, how it plays out, how it goes from here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Before we move on to the Altair Water Thirst Quencher, was there anything else you wanted to cover in the body of the episode? No, I think we did it. I think we covered everything that I wanted to. Nice. All right. So now we move on to one of our more regular segments in the episode, the Altair Water Thirst Quencher, because I don't know about you, Elise, but I am feeling very parched. So who are we thirsting for this week on Deep Space Nine? Kira's sexy orb vision. Give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) When Kira and Baral are, like, both topless and, like, She's standing in front of him, like, and it only almost reminds me of that scene in Dirty Dancing where, like, she has to, like, graze her arm against his chest and she can't because she can't stop giggling. Um, And they slowly turn toward each other and he's like, you do. And she wakes up just as they're about to kiss. And I'm like, those fuckers. They did that. Yeah, and Hungry Eyes is playing in the background. Yeah, yeah, but they didn't let me see them kiss. I was like, ugh, I died. But I was angry. I was like, show it to me, damn it. <laughs> I just Give was shaking to my me. fist. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was... That was my candidate as well. My, like, honorable mention. I don't know what this says about me. But when when Vin, when Wynn is doing some classic vetted... Vedic winning like against Karen like oh stay winning. as long as you want even up to a week like basically telling her to the GTFO and being like really like passive aggressive and like sarcastic <laughs> like I did kind of enjoy that I don't know if that was like a thirst quenching moment but you know it's a thing <laughs> so you're um, saying you wanted thing, so you wanted Vedic win to step on you is what you're telling me. <laughs> Speaking of things, <laughs> our next segment is most Star Trek moments. So I guess I'll I'll go first because Elise went yes. first in the uh, the thirst sure. quencher. Um, my most Star Trek moment we've kind of referenced it before is like an inconsistency or m- with a major plot point of an episode that existed previously. So in Redemption Part Two, which was the season, I think it was the season. Five opener um it was the klingon civil war like two-parter right in redemption part two there's the klingon civil war we have Worf leaves starfleet and fights with galron against you know, you're talking about tng right because i don't know that you yes, said that. yes 
sorry. Star just Trek for our listeners. Yeah. Um, I just wanted yes, everyone no, to know this you. wasn't spoilers for Deep Space Nine. Yes. No. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and uh, the Duras, the baddies in the Klingon Civil War at that point, are being supplied and like funded basically by the Romulans. And mm-hmm. while the Prime Directive still applies in the Klingon Civil War, the Federation is able to do kind of actions and create basically this blockade between Klingon and Romulan space to prevent further Romulan materials from from coming. So they are also like upholding the Prime Directive by preventing another foreign power from influencing itself in other wars. And then Admiral, I think Chakotay was their name, which is obviously no really probably yes. no relation to the Chakotay on, on Star Trek Voyager, but it's always interesting when names like that pop up. I don't yes, know I noticed that as well. Um, but he's like, well, the Cardassians may enter into other people's wars, but we don't. And I'm like, but but you stop the Romulans from doing the same thing, right? So yeah. that's my most Star Trek moment. What about you, Elise? For me, and I touched on this earlier, it was really just that Frank Langella's character was the baddie in the end. Um, I just think that's like, you come in with a guest star, they're going to be like, you know, the baddie probably. So I yeah, that was my only one. Have a featured one. role because you have your heroes and yeah, you know, whatever, yeah. right? So cool, awesome. Well, I think nice. we did it. So until next yeah, time, we Elise, did. Where can people find more of you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Elise underscore Tendi E L Y S E underscore T E N D I. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at podrates, P-O-D-W-R-A-I-T-H-S. And you can also email us at podrates at gmail.com. Great. And you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at, at MattyHugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can catch me talking about Mad Men, if you haven't already, on Still Great Bob. Please remember to rate and review us on the podcasting system of your choice. And as always, thank you to DJ Empirical for our very groovy theme song. And until next time, computer and program. Bye.